listening to the Indie Echo Podcast, a showcase of independent music and the artists that make it. I'm Jordan, producer at High Five Music. Hidden Voices is a Dutch electronic producer. His dreamy atmospheres and hypnotic vocals stand out in his melodic tracks. His latest is As We Fall Down. I'm 29 years old. I live in Utrecht currently in the Netherlands. When I was seven, uh, I started music very early because I come from a musical family. My parents convinced me to start playing the piano and I'm glad they did because I've had lessons for seven years then. Um, and I still use my, like everything I learned when I was little, I still use that every day in my production. When I was 10, I got in touch with EJ, which is probably the most obscure music making software out there. I haven't met anyone ever that has heard of the program. I think I have heard of it. You have? Yeah. Oh, I then think you're so. the first. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. I couldn't tell you what it looks like or anything, but I remember, I think the logo I can picture. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's brilliant. It, it's, uh, it, it's old. It's old and it's add anything but powerful and well you could make very basic beats uh, in there and uh, so that's where I started making music after a few years I got in touch with Fruity Loops now FL Studio but back in the day they still called it Fruity Loops and that opened up a whole new world of music making and I've been making music since that point every day and when I was uh, was 18 I moved to Delft to study there uh, at the University of Delft I studied mechanical engineering and did a lot of music projects on the side for the fraternity I was a member of. Like we had this uh, anthem every year of like the introduction week and I've made like five or six of those anthems for my old fraternity. And I've even made one of them for the like the introduction week for the entire city uh, of Delft. Which was really cool. But like music has always been a major theme in my life growing up, going to school, studying, uh, and still. Uh, and a few years ago, three years ago, I uh, moved to Utrecht, where I have my home studio now, which is amazing because I get to make music every day of my life in the most wonderful place in the world, which I've curated exactly to my needs. So it's, it's an absolute blessing. CD collection uh, of all his music uh, and my mother would usually play something like the Beatles or uh, a bit more slow like Nora Jones Would you say any of those things that you grew up listening to kind of carried over into what you started making? In an indirect way it did 
because of my uh, the classical background of my father, I got into like the piano lessons that I mentioned early, earlier, uh, and I got uh, classical music uh, with my piano teacher. And after a while, I got in touch with this piece of Rachmaninoff, and I'm not sure what the piece is called, unfortunately, but it was super dramatic and it was was big and huge and. I just loved it because uh, my, my teacher, she was teaching me stuff like Chopin and don't get me wrong, the, the music is brilliant, but it's it didn't like it didn't resonate with me personally as strong as that piece by Rachmaninoff did. So I think that there the like the my love for the dramatic parts and the, and the strong emotions and also the like a bit of the darker side of music that started at that very moment and I still use that in almost every song that I make. Rachmaninoff's the one with the giant hands, right? <laughs> yeah, I believe so, yeah. Right. yeah well, I tried playing it and my hands were almost too small, so <laughs> I guess that's the one, yeah. I think that my first full tracks got those around yeah, I think 15, 16 years old. I don't have them anymore, unfortunately. Uh, but yeah, you make something full, but uh, having a full composition and finishing something are two completely different things, as you probably know very well. Um, so my first 100% finished tracks would be out, like I think around 16, when I was 16 years old, something like that. After a while, I started getting into like, like more into the process of finish, finishing, but I was so perfectionistic in the start. So. I didn't finish that much. It was like, I think, two or three tracks every year at best. I switched to, to Ableton when I was 19 or something. I got in touch with it at random and I've never gone back since. I absolutely love Ableton. Um, and back in the day, Ableton felt like an absolute upgrade. And um, I, I still use it even with live performance because it's just more suitable for live performance too. Were you hidden voices at the time? Uh, no, no, I've had okay. many, many, many aliases. Yeah, I started with DJ Thomas, of course. Uh, then it was D DJ Thomas X with an X behind it. Like <laughs> I was, I was 15, something like that, yeah, 14. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I changed to Tap T A W, which is my initials. Uh, then I started um, one of my uh, my first major project, which is Tom Bex. And I made music like uh, a bit of blend between house and the music that Flume makes. So sort of like orchestral, cinematic, film scores with a beat. I've made two albums on that old alias too. Uh, I've released I think 10, 15 singles, something like that. But I never got into marketing properly and I never got into like sharpening my my skills like getting actually good at making music i just made the music was super perfectionistic about every single part of the process took two three months to finish something and then i uploaded it and it was on to the next after a while tom pax felt like it, it it wasn't taking off the way i wanted it to and like after a while i wanted something new and i figured that that's the the parts of the music that's that inspired me the most, not all of those could be put into the music and the style of Tom Bex. So I wanted, just wanted to start fresh. And what I did, I went to a lot of festivals, a lot of clubs, a lot of parties, a lot of, listened to so much music. And uh, I started making this, this checklist, like actual typing uh, in between concerts in the middle of the dance floor. I started typing and filling up a checklist of things that I did like and I did not like. 
So after I think half a year or something, like many festivals, many concerts, you, you grad- gravitate towards some kind of consistent list of things that you want your music to have. And then I started making music that, that like based off that list. And that's where Hidden Voices started. John Hopkins. Those three artists, they've been around in my life for so long and they just, yeah, they've, they've grown on me and they're, they're important to me. And the, the, they, they all have like their little elements that's, that you can see in, in my music if you, if you look closely because like Bonobo has like a bit of an organic sound and it's, the music flows really well. Flume has sounds, I remember that from an interview that he did once. Like he said, I always try to use a sound that you've never heard before. And that that just stuck with me. So if you listen to my drops or my sound design, it's always something that's just a little bit weird, just a little bit off of what you're used to. And John Hopkins is just super dreamy and super emotional, but in a very different way than my own style. So I guess that's how, they, uh, how you can still see them in my music today. side of things like and it's funny because that's what i would gravitate to and listen to but then people ask me to do you know big club festival bangers so i'm like okay (laughs) i I, I can do that too yeah but like the emotional stuff it's it's just so much more fun to do because you can you can really pour your heart out and you can like try to to make yourself scream try to make make yourself get emotional just by arranging samples playing instruments yeah it's just it can be so magical if you hit the spot i think the the best kinds of music are those where you like you should actually listen with your eyes closed i love those kinds of music the most So what was the first track you put out as Hidden Voice? 
The first one was You're Beautiful. That was the one that I made based off the checklist, like the checklist I, okay. I mentioned. At first, uh, I wanted to have like the, the rumble kick, the deep techno kick, uh, and I wanted it to have a bass line as well, so it, it has both of, both of those elements. Uh, and it's like it's a bit slower than than your average techno deep house track, and it's super dreamy, super emotional. So at the time, that was the track that was closest to my vision of the project. You're beautiful. second track I did with uh, my roommate who's a, a very talented singer I discovered that if you use samples in a certain way that there is this so many possibilities to create a piece of emotion or uh, like a very strong emotion in your track uh, and you don't need any singers you just grab the right pieces of the right samples and you manipulate them in a way that they feel like different a bit a bit out of place but but still relatable and yeah, that that became one of my core uh, core aspects of my style. One of my early favorites is Ether. I like that one a lot. At the start, I wanted my music to be very like loving, compassionate, uh, very warm. Um, and I did the made Ether with uh, with my roommate Dorin. She's a very talented singer. The message of the track is to embrace life and to trust in the fact that the beautiful aspects and the beautiful sides of life will find you if you hold on. just scrolling through samples until I hear something that just clicks and often it's uh, it's some kind of vocal sample but it also could be just as simple as a kick drum or some percussion loop it's if I hear something that resonates with me in whatever way uh, it does I just start uh, I start making whatever idea comes to my mind and I don't think I just pick the first option Whenever I have to make a decision, I pick the first option, don't think about it and move on. And like in that way you you really work out of intuition 
uh, based on some idea that pops into your head. And often it graduates toward like my uh, my usual hidden voices style, but I've, it graduates wherever if the idea uh, that I get is is completely different from anything that I've ever made. I'll, I'll just make it anyways. So that's the first way. And the second way is uh, one that I'm a bit less good at like triggering. It's just sometimes there's this idea that pops up in your head. You hear a vocal line, you hear a melody, you hear a kind of drum beat, like just float around in your mind. And I rush to my, my Ableton, I drop everything that I'm doing and I'm, and I'm gonna make it. Um, and also there, like I just follow my intuition and I try to uh, create the idea however it popped up in my head. I relate to so much of that. <laughs> I, Can't imagine. I'm so inspired by other things. Like it's very hard to just have a blank canvas and make something out of nothing. But if I have just a seed of an idea, that's that's why I like working with singer songwriters. Or like well, I have that as a basis yeah how can i work with that to make it something bigger the second one like the the idea popping into your head it uh, happens the most often when you're very far away from your studio where you're not able to make whatever it is that your brain wants you to make that's yep. where you get the good stuff jumping up a little bit to it comes in waves i remember you playing that one live it's my biggest track by far and it's opened so many doors and the funny part is that I made it on accident. Because when I was making It Comes In Waves, I started with the with the drop. I found some sample, I man manipulated it, manipulated it some more, and after a while I came up with the drop. I put a kick under the, under the drop, put a bass line under the drop, and I listened to it and I was like, oh yeah, it's cool, but I didn't think much of it at first. Uh, and after that, that I started looking for samples, for vocal samples, and I found those those uh, samples. It comes in waves if you're not here, and pitched them down a few uh, few notes, uh, did some processing, messed around with them, and then started on on the chords, like started making something that that made me feel like the, the, the pain of someone not being here, like the missing pain, the, the, the pure emotion of the track. And after a while I found the chords and I, I remember saying, oh man, that hurts, like out loud, because it just, it hit the spot for me. bit of of music I turn the volume all the way up I turn off the lights and I listen to what I've made at the point I remember I've made this little very tiny little build up like some default drums that I had in a template did some automation on the chord so that it flowed into the drop which I'd made earlier and which I had forgot about completely so I, I turn the volume up all the way I turn and uh, I start listening to the to the music and I feel the music and it's like it's screaming I feel this little ache in my heart and the vocal drops out and all of a sudden that drop that I had made earlier comes full volume out of my speakers and 
I had completely forgotten about the drop, so I was just blown away, like, whoa, this is so cool. And that's how it was born. <laughs> Sometimes accidents are the best. Yeah, like the, yeah. The, the best parts of music happen on accident. It Comes in Waves got me in touch with a label. It's an, an Austrian label, they're called Eisteed. I don't think you've ever heard of them because they push the artist and not the, the label. Closure was our, our first track working together after It Comes in Waves. And I had made it as like the club version as, a, as my classic techno beat, uh, bass line, monotone, hard kick, and some dreamy melodic element on top of it. And we wanted to do a beatport exclusive as like a deal sweetener with some promotion on beatboard. I made the club mix and then at the very last minute, like a few days before the deadline, I had to come up with something to make a different version of the track for the beatboard exclusive. And I remember dragging on some breakbeat samples, changing the bass line to follow the chords and yeah, it was turned out pretty nicely. And after, uh, after my label listening to it and the promotion team listening to it, they all agreed that the breakbeat version would work way better, so we pushed that one instead. these releases in 2023 were leading up to your album which is half singles and half new tracks i've been wanting to put out an album for a very long time because it's just cool it's just i think it's so it's so cool to look at your own discography and to see an album and another album and a bunch of singles like i want to f i want to fill up my spotify page that's the goal because i think it's just cool uh, i talked about it with my uh, with my label and they agreed, let's, let's try to do an album. And we had a couple of options. And one of the options was my journey to Peru, to the country of Peru for from uh, a few years ago. Uh, and I had already made 16 tracks in my old Tom Beck's style, which is like the flume, halftime, trap-ish, orchestral stuff. And I pitched the track, but because there was such a clear story and such a clear narrative to like the, the entire flow of the album, my label was very enthusiastic, the promotion team was enthusiastic, so we went with it. I had my field recorder and I recorded people playing in, in the city of Lima, I recorded waterfalls, I recorded all kinds of sounds of the country of Peru. And I had so many ideas for tracks when I was there. We went, I went there for three weeks, I think I had about 40 to 50 ideas and I just picked the best 16 ideas that I had and made them into unfinished tracks. After that, I reinvented all those tracks within my Hidden Voices style following my Hidden Voices checklist. And I believe there were one or two tracks that I, uh, I removed uh, and switched out with something completely new. But the thing was that it all had to follow my journey through the country of Peru. Because it was, it's uh, chronologi uh, chronological if you if you take the story, if you take our journey and you take the tracks, they match up with where we've been and how I've been feeling on my journey. 
I like the vocal samples on Darkest Desert. <laughs> nice. They're like so haunting and cool. Yeah, that's my favorite track of the album. It's actually, it's my own voice. I just, oh. uh, I layered my voice very low and then like, uh, very, very low. That's probably nice. gonna sound <laughs> so stupid in the middle of the podcast, but <laughs> fuck it. Um, that's so cool. But I, I layered them like six, seven, eight times and I'm not the best singer, but on average, I can sing pretty well. So if you take eight tra- eight takes that are sort of around the pitch that you try to make them, it sounds pretty okay. And this, the voices start to like resonate with, with each other. And you get this very lush soundscape, very, very deep, uh, ominous sound. And that's how I made it. consistent with your track output how do you is that on purpose uh, it's on purpose because uh, we know that the spotify algorithm likes it when you put out a track every four to six weeks so uh, and me wanting to fill up my entire spotify page i prefer four weeks because i can put out more music like that it, you're inspiring me to start doing more originals that way i had an ep like years ago and since then, I've just been so swamped with work with for other people. I just haven't had the time to take for myself. And when I'm not working for, for people, I don't want to necessarily make music also. But I do want to get back into it. I, I have a whole bunch of half ideas that I could work in. Yeah, I would definitely recommend to just set a timer and try to train your intuition to like like make. It's something you can train. I wasn't that good at it at the beginning, but now it's become a routine. So... I, just make make an idea sometimes in 10 minutes export it don't listen to it for a week and it's fun because when you do listen to them you've completely forgotten what you've made so it's actually as if you're judging someone else's demos and it's it's the best feeling ever when you completely surprise yourself in terms of live performance when did you start doing that it started during covid i lived in a house with 15 others one of the fraternity houses back in Delft. We started thinking, well, we have a big house, we have room. Uh, we the, the house actually used to be a bank. It used to be a bank back in the day. So we had an actual vault in the basement, like a vault of three by three meters with a vault door that's made of pure metal and is, I think, 40 centimeters thick. One of those old bank vaults was in our basement. So. Nobody's going to hear you if you're going to throw a rave in the basement of your house. So that's what we did. And after a while, I figured, like, if if we're going to throw raves here, I might as well make some kind of live set. And at the end of COVID, I had a live set with which I could perform, I think, five hours of music. Just by chance, you stumbled upon the club name, The Vault. It's perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man. Where are you guys going on Saturday? We're going to The Vault. Are you going to come? (laughs) <laughs> that sounds pretty sick actually yeah, yeah. <laughs> DJing is, is a lot of fun 
that playing live is a completely different kind of of experience and because i made my live set in the way that i did it's, it's very uh, modular you can uh, you can change out different elements of different songs and freestyle them over each other on top of each other on the spot um, because i made them th it that way i can respond to my crowd very quickly so if i see that my crowd wants to go hard i'll just up the bpm a few a few bits and i'll replace my bass line with uh, a rumble kick like charlotte de witte and that works very very well and if i see that they want to chill a bit more i'll just lower the bpm a bit turn up my bass line a bit harder and play the more melodic parts of my music the ability to remix your own music on the spot just gives so much freedom in how you can play your set, how you can play your music, and how you can make the crowd feel. What would you say, whether in terms of production or marketing or whatever it is, is like the hardest part of the process? For production, definitely the last 10% of the track. Definitely. Um, but I, I uh, managed to overcome that obstacle. Because if you have to finish 16 tracks in what was it, two or three months, there's no time to be so perfectionistic about every track. I just didn't have the time. And now if I listen to my album, I'm like, yeah, it's, it sounds fine. Like I've, I would have done some things differently, sure, but it sounds a lot better than my first release or my 10th release or my 15th release. Like you, you, whatever you do, you're going to get better at it. So learning that you don't need to be a perfectionist to make great music, that's, that's the biggest obstacle at first. Yeah, you put a lot of heart and soul into your music and keeping going when the road is very rough, that's, I think that's the, the toughest part. So, and I'm only able to keep on going because I just absolutely love making music. Links to Hidden Voices music and everything else can be found in the show notes. Indie Echo is a product of High Five Music, a digital production studio that brings your bedroom demos to life. If you want your music produced or remixed, visit the link on my Instagram at High Five Music, and you can follow the show at Indie Echo Podcast. Thank you for listening. <laughs>